Well, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump wins again. He's now the back-to-back undisputed impeachment champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ruthless. Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history. God willing, everything is on the table. You now can pass things without a filibuster threat. Oh, you regret this? And you may regret it a lot sooner than you think. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday episode of Ruthless. This is going to be a good one. I mean, um, a champion forever. Yeah, that's the thing is, you know, two of the four presidential impeachments ever are now Trump's. Um, and he's got, what, less than a week left if he gets one more impeachment to go for the hat trick. You know? <laughs> and he'll have the majority of all impeachments will have been Donald Trump, like more impeachments than not Donald Trump. The he's got to go champion, for the record. The world champion of an impeachment back to back back to back 2020 2021 back to back <laughs> impeachment champion i think it's a record smug that i'm not sure is ever going to be challenged again yeah i mean well impeachment only takes about two hours to do now right i mean so he has until january 20th at 10 a.m to get the hat trick that i mean if it's a three-peat that's like chicago bulls territory it is. It is. It's it's Michael Jordan-esque. The, the one question that that leaves, though, because we're a little unclear at this point about whether a conviction uh, would be possible. It doesn't look like it's going to be possible before the inauguration day of President-elect Joe Biden. Uh, so so what we imagine is on the horizon are, are some pardons, don't you think? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great point is he's got only about a week left. Um who, who gets the pardons? Who's, who's getting them? I think uh, who's I mean, left. I mean, people are saying like, uh, they want, they want Snowden and, uh, Julian Assange. Uh, I've seen those names thrown around. Who else gets one? Well, I was thinking maybe you smug and it like a, maybe a, a, a proactive one. Abs- yeah. Because like we, a get out of jail free card. Well, we've, we've looked and you know, it's hard to ignore the fact that Merrick Garland is his nominee uh, for attorney general. And I got to imagine he's taken notice, yeah, right? Of your behavior. Yeah. I mean, that would honestly, president Trump, if you're listening, that would be helpful. If you just, <laughs> I, I don't know how it works. You just, you get a sheet of paper. It's, it's like notarized, typed out, signed by the president. That's it. Just pardon. I you think know, it could be laminated hold on to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't want anything happening to it. I would absolutely laminate it. <laughs> just like presidential letterhead. It says, uh, smug is pardon signed Donald J. Trump notary seal done deal and the, like i actually do have substantive questions about this about how that works because they were talking about how president trump was going to plan on pardoning his family for for unnamed crimes uh and i don't for one i have no idea whether that's true or not and and two i've not seen anybody actually accused of a crime so i'm not sure yeah, how that all yeah. works but if it did could you just kind of blanket pardon for for multiple offenses or like i don't how does that is it like the I mean, that's a jail free card that you have a monopoly? I mean, that's such a great question. I was I was recently told by, you know, an individual familiar with such matters in, in, in legal in legal things that if you get a pardon, it affects your ability to invoke the Fifth Amendment. Oh, right. So if you're being investigated, for example, yeah, you can't take the fifth. You can't take the fifth. You got to spill the beans. I mean, because you can't self-incriminate if you've been pardoned, you know, so 
Interesting. So you probably don't want the blanket pardon. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's a, it's, it's it's a tough situation. Well, I've always said folks, democracy doesn't work. (laughs) Laws are just madness. Don't, (laughs) don't fall for this. Like you can't, you can't, you can't say the fifth. You can't take the fifth if you get pardoned. But if it's all the same, I still would like the laminated card for a federal yeah, crime. I mean, it would feel later. great for a federal crime to be named later, right? Because I don't. I mean, I look. I suppose that you, you'd have to choose then where where to play it. You got to be very careful about how. You yeah, you only got it once your pardon card. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if maybe a topic for a future episode about what federal crime would you commit? Yeah, if, if I mean that's a great question. That that. <laughs> That's a one, good one to ask, folks. That's a nice thing, breaker. Hey, yeah. hey, so so what what, what federal crime would you commit? <laughs> like, all right, well, <laughs> actually, don't want on air you to answer. That Absolutely, question. would not answer on air. <laughs> I don't I don't want that. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. <laughs> um, one one thing that I think we need to touch on because I saw this interesting headline in the New York Post is uh, smoking for the first time is is good for your health. Uh, in the state of New Jersey. Finally, some good news. Yeah, the, the, the New York Post reports that New Jersey is now allowing smokers to get highly coveted COVID-19 vaccines on the grounds that their habit is considered high-risk health condition. Amazing. How about that? Amazing. It's uh, uh, There's a quote right here. It says, smoking puts you at significant risk for an adverse result from COVID-19. And there are 2 million smokers in New Jersey who fit into these categories. That's what the uh, New Jersey Department of Health said. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. So on top of like looking cool and sophisticated, boom, front of the line. (laughs) It's like smokers keep winning, dude. I mean, if you ever wanted to know that, like, oh, that guy's a winner. Yeah, well, it's because he smokes. This is further proof. Everybody's been saying that for decades. Look at that guy smoke. What a winner. Yeah, absolutely. That's the first thing you think. You're like, this guy's sophisticated. He's cool. He's winning. You know, maybe I should start smoking. That's that's the first thought when you see someone. And now if you if you take up, you know, if you take up the habit, there you go. Front of the line. There's a health benefit for it in the state of New Jersey. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's amazing. Well, to the more hard news here, um, obviously, we covered the, the idea that there is impeachment. What's happened in the House of Representatives is that they have impeached President Trump for the second time in a very quick fashion. I think there has been some uh, rightful critique about the haste by which they have uh, manufactured a case and prosecuted it in the House. Uh, however, you see a little bit more Republican support this time around because of the circumstances invading uh, the Capitol and and the like. It now heads over to the United States Senate, which, you know, unlike what happened last year, the uh, the end result does have some question marks. And I think we're going to we're going to cover that uh, with a range of opinions as we get closer. We're going to bring some guests in and talk about uh, the viability of all of that. But I think as of now, the news is the news. And we want to get to some of the underlying pieces that has brought us to this moment in insanity, yeah. uh, left, right, and center. And let's bring Duncan off the bench for this, because I think it's important to have him in this, in this conversation. Uh, but Smug and I have been having this conversation over a series of weeks about what a shitty place we are in as a country in terms of the 
information flow mm-hmm. and, and whether or not COVID and distrust in our media, distrust in institutions, all of these things have brought us to a, a, a place that we can even get out of. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, recently what really caught my attention is I was talking to a group of friends and they were all saying like my, you know, they're like, my parents no longer, you know, watch the evening news. They don't even really watch cable news. They get all their information from like various websites, like, uh, and chain emails. You know what I mean? Um, but it's, it's across the board. I, I think, you know, you touched on exactly the problem is that there has been, uh, a complete loss of faith in the mainstream media. And I, you know, I don't like the approach that I'm seeing of uh, like you had AOC calling for, for uh, like a commission on what people essentially are can allowed you, to see. Can you imagine anything more dangerous than that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's horrific. I, I think that's a completely wrong approach. Um, the, the problem here is people lost faith in mainstream publications because they lost mainstream publications just gave up on having integrity. Like they spent the past, the f- past four years are a prime example of what's become of journalism where it's like, yeah, they know if they stand up and shout during a, a, a you know, one of the president's press briefings, they'll get a book deal. Like Acosta made a career off of just like, you know, trying to get attention, uh, you know, and get resistance money with a book deal. That's, that's what's become, you know, the press is the entire, you know, journalists quickly figured out that instead of doing investigative work, instead of trying to actually, you know, break some news, they just want to, you know, get as much attention on Twitter, up their followers by just attacking President Trump, no matter what, you know, so many times that you'd, you'd see journalists come out with one piece of news, like, uh, like the Russiagate is a prime example where they're just like addicted to pushing this like garbage, like the Russia hoax got so many of these folks like book deals and Twitter followers. And they're like, you know what? That formula works for me. Yeah. And now, and now, now they expect their newsroom to be tailored to their political opinions. Yeah. It's be, it's becoming a prerequisite in these newsrooms. I mean, you remember what happened after Tom Cotton got his, um, his op-ed written in in the New York times um, about calling in the national guard. And we're seeing something similar to that happening today on Twitter. Um, you know, Politico Playbook. For those of you who don't know, you know, Playbook is um, a newsletter put out by Politico, um, you know, which is a, a publication that covers, you know, Capitol Hill and politics uh, and elections and, and whatnot. And, and, and Playbook is, is their morning newsletter. And, um, you know, they announced, um, I think sometime at the end of the year, um, you know, that they're going to have people come in and guest edit it. Um, so figures from across the political spectrum would, you know, would edit this newsletter. Um, and it's, it's sent out every morning. Um, and today Ben Shapiro edited the thing. Uh, and now we're having a discussion, um, on Twitter um, among reporters who do not work at Politico, who are now reporting on the internal slack at Politico about how inappropriate this is. Jeez. I mean, who's surprised? Journalists made themselves a news. Shock. Right, right. Yeah. They figured out a way to make it about themselves. Not to mention the fact that yesterday, uh, Chris Hayes from MSNBC edited the thing and nobody had a problem with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked he could take a break from showing up in my freaking Twitter timeline to actually edit the damn thing. I've been all over <laughs> you. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to get a restraining order against this cat. 
No, but seriously, I mean, the guy's got like a million psychopaths that follow him and he shows up in my, in my timeline at least once a week, accusing me of everything from causing COVID yeah. to like, to like, he basically said I was complicit with the capital invasion, you know, yeah. by name. I mean, the thing is, is like, it doesn't really bother me. I've lived in this world for long enough where it's I like kind of blow right through it. But now you can see like there are safety concerns when you rev up a whole bunch of insane people. That yeah. guy's like, I'm just like a private citizen, right? We got a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm not pull- I don't work in government guy. You know? I think I, I, I think honestly, I think this pandemic and this isn't a comment on on Chris Hayes or anybody in particular. I think this pandemic just made people crazy. I like, agree. It's 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 not a person a personal thing on anyone. It's like who wouldn't go a little crazy, and everybody's been you know locked up in their homes for their better part of a year, and um, you know we've lost a lot of the connections that we we have with our local communities, and so you know only people are reading stuff online, and you know I mean, just just for, like from from you know, an experience that I, I heard, and I'm not going to drop a dime on anyone, but, um, you know, I think that you could actually look at a situation like COVID as having some culpability in what we saw at the Capitol. And let me, let me explain that for a second. Um, people aren't traveling as much, keeping in touch as much with their, their family members. Um, you know, what I've heard from people is just how shocked they've been the things that they've heard from, you know, extended family, family members, um, post-election. Yeah. You know, like you wonder why the stop the steal stuff had such purchase with so many of these people. It's that like, man, when you spend a year in your house by yourself, you get kind of radicalized in a lot of ways. Well, especially when you're, when you're forced to, sort of self-isolate and and therefore insulate yourself with opinions you only agree with, right? Whether you're getting it online through your own social media, whether you're doing it through news sets that you basically choose, you're eliminating a diversity of opinion clearly. And like what you're ultimately left with is further and further and further out. Right. And like one of the things that I pointed, I wrote an op-ed back in the Wall Street Journal in May that said like, you know, some of these things are, are inevitable, but the, the interaction that we have across socioeconomic lines in this country, like, I don't want to nerd out too much, but, you know, 30 years ago, we all sort of watched the same news programs. The, you know, I think in the eighties, like you're, everybody, you know, is watching the Cosby show, right? I mean, there were certain things that everybody discussed and water cooler talk and had in common and whatnot. And all of those things increasingly are gone, right? The, the number of things that we share are gone. And so the, the, the thing that has kept us as a fabric and society together across socioeconomic lines is like service industry stuff, right? The, the, every time you pull into your garage, if you work into a city, the guy that parks your car is like as good a friend as you've got, right? You talk to him every day, you ask him how his kids are, mm-hmm. you, you know, you deal with that. Well, that's, that hasn't happened in nine months. Just right? going to your local diner. Like, yeah, we're losing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you show up at your grocery store. If you have the same checkout person as I, as I've had for years, you ask about their kids, you ask about it, how everybody's doing. You, you, you chat about all that stuff. And like, you don't live in the same worlds, but you have this common humanity and you, you can get their point of view. That's gone. Like we, we haven't had that in eight months. And so that coupled with the fact that your information flow 
is driving only exclusively what you believe, you can understand how well-meaning patriotic people can grab on to completely insane things. And it's, it's across the political spectrum is the thing is, uh, you know, you look at what the Russia thing did to like the boomer left where now they just see Putin jumping out from everything, everything. Like uh, there's this article I saw um, where I guess some folks have come forward against uh, uh, John Weaver um, with with, uh, one of the Lincoln project guys, right? Yeah. How would you describe it? It's like a, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment type stuff. Uh, A lot of folks have come forward uh, with accusations. Allegations online, basically from what I've seen. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, you had a, a guy who wrote an article about it and then you look at the replies and it's all just like boomer libs being like, oh, this is Putin's doing. Oh, this is just to distract from Trump, Trump, you know, the, the Trump coup, Russia's doing this, you know, and that's across the political spectrum. You've had people just completely siloed with, with, uh, their, the, the viewpoint that they agree with. And it just pushes them further and further out to the edges where, I mean, yeah, now the Dems think everything is caused by Putin. I mean, they literally seared the Russia thing so deeply into the minds of the left that anything that they see that they disagree with can easily be a Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they even use the like terminology like that compromise. Like you see, I know what the fuck. Like if if you were to search on Twitter for compromise, it's just like boomer libs accusing everyone. Like, oh yeah, Putin's got compromise on so and so. That's why this happened. It, it's it, it's. Essentially, the, the Russia thing is like the left wing cue. That's, that's it, it, it is. It is. Absolutely. You're 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 right. Smug. You hit the nail on the head. It is left wing cue. And one thing I would point out there about John uh, Weaver and Compromat, everyone remembers like two years ago, John Weaver tried to register as a foreign agent of Russia <laughs> to lobby on behalf of the Russian government. Um, and then like the story came out and he was like shamed out of doing the contract, but the guy tried to, to lobby for Russia for Vladimir Putin. Okay. But putting that aside, like to, to smug's point about how this, you know, was left wing QAnon. Um, I mean, Nancy Pelosi encourages it. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) it's been, what has it been two years since the Mueller report a year since the Mueller report anyway? Um, no collusion that it didn't happen, but that hasn't stopped Nancy Pelosi from yeah. every time there's an opportunity to say all roads lead back to Putin. Oh my you God. Know? Yeah. She said she brought up Vladimir Putin after um, the Capitol, the I storming mean, of the Capitol. She's, she brought that up and you know what immediately happened? Eric Garland, um, you know, who's one of those Russia gate truthers who's on Twitter all the time quote tweeted it. And he's like, Pelosi ties Capitol storming to Vladimir Putin. And it's like, it's the same thing as QAnon. It's like, you know, Donald Trump does something. And then on some 4chan message board, somebody's like, look, look, he's he, he he's hinting at it. Like, trust, yeah. the, trust the plan. QAnon's real or whatever. I don't know. I actually don't know all the details of what it is. But that's that's what Pelosi does with these Russiagate people. Yeah, and I think the difference here is that they've mainstreamed the yeah. Russiagate, right? The, New York, the, the Russiagate construction was built in the New York Times and Washington Post, right? QAnon is in God's green earth of the internet, right? I mean, we right. Have, that, that, is, that, is, that is not for everybody's eyes, right? You got to be out looking for it to find it. The, the mainstream media has given us everything about the Russia 
propaganda. And right? it's, and and one and the one causes the other. That's that's what that's, I, that's I right. hope people get away from this segment of the podcast is the mainstream media doing what they've done with an overt political agenda, the sort of agenda that fills a, a newspaper Slack channel because God forbid a conservative edit their newsletter one day. The I'm fact really- that that exists, that is why people don't pick up your shit anymore. Why they don't go to your website anymore. Why they're in the bowels of the internet looking for something else. It, it, and, and part of the reason why newsrooms look like that right now, I mean, just to give you a look under the hood, in, in Washington journalism, in political journalism, the vast majority of reporters who are working their tails off come into it very young, right? 23, 24, 25. They have a couple of people that they, that are sort of mentor them, but they learn and they are rewarded based on the traffic and the, and the scoops that they get, right? And so in the era of Trump, they have learned every wrong lesson you can learn. It is not about the scoop. It is not about the news. It's about what's generating clicks and generating value. Oh, it's got to have Trump in the headline. Remember that. That's very important. They all talk about that. And it's got to be sort of salacious left-wing fomenting because they've built this audience entirely catered to the left. And if they don't get fed on a daily basis, they're going to be freaking furious. Ask people like Ken Vogel of the New York Times what it's like trying to write a, a article that's critical of the Biden campaign. I mean, that guy wrote one article. I think I still remember it. Yeah. Right. Because of yep. how badly he got shouted down by their audience. Do, yeah. Do you guys they, they were remember- like, they're like, you can't like the replies were insane. They're like, why are you talking about this before the election? Don't you know, we have to beat Trump. Like who the hell are you? And then that started like a firestorm inside the NYT. And then that was the last time he tried reporting yeah. anything critical of Biden. After that, it was just like the other way. He was like, okay, can't, can't. He, he never was critical of Biden again through the entire election. Do you remember when Bo Erickson from CBS News asked Joe Biden about the Hunter Biden stories in the New York Post? Yeah. And he, he was universally dunked on on Twitter for suggesting that Joe Biden has... Now we know there's a DOJ investigation into Hunter Biden. Yeah. Well, at the at the time, it was dismissed by the entire media as Russian propaganda. I was just going to say, you can tie the knot on this because right. it was dismissed as Russian propaganda. Uh-huh. uh-huh. In fact, I and I got to I got to read this because I've been looking for this forever and it, it was deleted immediately. But I finally found it. And that is this is Bo Erickson's boss um, who after after he had asked uh, Joe Biden the question. This is what uh, Bo's boss, uh, Steve uh, Holzer, uh, tweeted. Bo, this is your news director. The right question is, why do you think of the report that Rudy Giuliani used Russian disinformation to try to smear your family Um, 19 days before an election? There, fixed it for you. I mean, I'd quit immediately. There it is. That's what he said. And and that's just such a perfect encapsulation of everything that we've talked mm-hmm. about in this segment um, from, from why people don't trust mainstream media mm-hmm. to the internal slack at Politico today going on fire because Ben Shapiro is editing the newsletter one day mm-hmm. to Bo Erickson's boss public. It's like a Maoist struggle session. It really you have is. To come Dude, out publicly and you have to you have to repent for <laughs> how fucking dare you write something straight news. How dare you let a conservative edit your newsletter for one day? 
My God. It's I mean, no wonder. Better. And then I mean, the news director is like, this is the news director telling you Russia, Russia, Russia. Yeah. And he's thinking, you know, I'll get a head pat if I just do this in public the right way and throw my own reporter under the bus. Mm-hmm. There's going to yeah. be somebody in New York at one of these legacy publications who sends an email to their boss and say, hey, look, this guy's on our team. Yeah. Yeah. He's really doing it for us. Pathetic. I just got sent a tweet that says Politico's editor in chief just announced a 3 p.m. call with the newsroom, presumably to address today's complaints. I mean, are you kidding me? This makes me so pissed off. This makes me so mad. This is insane. I mean, you know what's going to happen, right? Is they're going to say it was a big mistake to try to try to have people with an opinion write the newsletter. Right. So they'll just kind of blanket, push it aside, and then they'll they'll assign two reporters with an opinion to, to write it from here on out. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's like we said, Politico, this this is the publication that had Sam Stein. That's right. Right. And we covered it here on the program. Right. This is a guy who's been in the left wing opinion journalism area since the beginning of his career. He's editing the White House coverage for Politico. I mean, and, and here's here's the thing, dude, is like, I don't really care if there are liberal journalists out there, I just want, like, are we allowed to exist too, like in, in, in news media and like be published in your publications or is this like the wholesale othering of every conservative now where there's, we're just not even allowed to be in polite society. It really is. is I really, what it is. That's, that is essentially what is happening online is you have, you know, all the uh, blue check, the essentially blue check mark, like uh, uh, rule of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. It's like, well, if you're if you're to the right of Bernie, oh my God, you want people to die, which makes you a fascist, and anything you say is now, uh, you know, a thought crime, and and you shouldn't be given a platform. But like you know they're they're mad at Ben Shapiro, who is like. I mean, dude is a lip. I think he's just a soft <laughs> rhino and he's got them freaking out. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, it's not even for me, it's not even so much ideological as it is partisan with these guys, at least in the political press. It may not be with across all spectrums, but in the political press, it's it's just partisan. You watch as every single member of the media that is sort of cheerleading the blanket bans that are happening on, on Donald Trump's social media right? The Twitter ban, the Facebook mm-hmm. ban, the, all the very, they're all saying this is such a necessary, like we need to take care of this. It need, needs to get this guy offline. He's, he's inciting all kinds of things. That's their take. Mark my words. The moment that he leaves office and begins, you know, if he does begin campaigning against other Republicans, They'll give him any platform he wants. They'll turn yeah. the lights back on. Absolutely. All yep. Absolutely. Right? He'll be calling into morning Joe. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be right and back it'll be, the, it'll, right it'll back. be, it'll be, you know what, uh, sir, miss, Mr. President, sir. Um, <laughs> you, you understood the working class American. These other Republicans don't totally, you, know, you were the, the only person who understood the working man. And it's <laughs> like, it's like they, they wanted to gut him for four years and they'll, they'll give him back the keys of the kingdom. If all he does is focus on hurting Republicans. I mean, it's politics. the Mitt Romney effect, right? right? Mitt Romney was the, was the corporate, uh, uh, misogynist, right. you know, yeah. that had he, binders full of women. Yeah. Oh my God. He was he, responsible for one of his employees getting cancer. Yeah. Oh, that's right. According to their ads, according to the that, Democrats ads. That's right. He was, he was the world's worst human being. 
right up until the point where he became a senator and was and was uh, opposed to Donald Trump's presidency. Now, and that's the thing is like on the on the same floor that they were all like, oh, my God, you know, Mitt Romney is finally it, it, saying something we, you know, we want heard and, and we want to put out there. It's like on that same floor years ago, Harry Reid said Mitt Romney had never put out the lie and then later said he knowingly lied that Mitt Romney had never paid taxes. Right. It's like these people will, you, you know. And they and they think the on ramp to all of that shit is is Donald Trump. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, the permission. That's they give the, themselves. That was the then majority leader of the United States Senate, the most the most powerful Democrat in Congress, standing there in the well of the Senate, accusing the Republican presidential nominee of of not paying his taxes without any evidence whatsoever and refused to provide any evidence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the journals reported like Harry Reid accuses. Right. Yep. And then yep. just left it. So it's a headline and every st- I mean, this went on for like six months. And you would be you, would, you know, the average consumer of news. There was a doubt about whether he paid his taxes and nobody yep. ever even followed up on that. And then years later, you had you had Harry Reid laugh in an interview saying that I knew it wasn't true. And he was asked, do you regret it? And he was like, nope. He said Mitt lost, didn't he? I yeah, mean, that's right. The same way that the other day you had Joe Biden, uh, you know, put out that statement saying like, oh, yeah, Mitt Romney, such a nice guy. This, yeah. Uh, years ago, you said that Mitt's going to put y'all back in chains. That's that, 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 that's the same guy, you know? <laughs> well, this start, I mean, this started as a, as a good conversation about information flow and we've covered a lot of the reason why I think the one little dot we need to talk about is sort of the worst of the worst and how, you know, well-meaning patriotic Americans get sucked into and are now by the left trying to be linked to the worst of the worst, Mm -hmm. right? But there's a huge similarity as we've discussed in QAnon and Antifa, right? And the similarity you can see in the arrest records that have come out over the last several weeks um, and and all of the people who are charged and and like the wolf Viking guy. Yeah, who's like lives in his his mom's environmentalist. Yeah, yeah, is an environmentalist and, and starving himself because he's a vegan and like, these people are uniquely susceptible to the furthest reaches of conspiracy theories, Mm -hmm. right? They all have some similarities about living in mom's basement. Life didn't really work out for them. Their ambitions Mm -hmm. are low. And like, they just want to sort of be associated with something, you know? And, and I think the real danger that we have now in the conservative movement is the left and the media trying to bind together that piece, which is in my mind, there is very little difference between Antifa and these people with the broader conservative movement that has zero similarities to that. Zero, like the exact opposite of that. In fact, probably 90% of the crowd that showed up in, in the rally that from my point of view is completely inappropriate, but they thought was a patriotic gesture on behalf of their country, yep. right? Yep. So like, I think, it's just, I think we really have to be careful about information flow, about making sure that what we're consuming has some standards. I mean, the, 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 <laughs> we talked about it for, for months, but the Sidney Powell stuff is insane. Yeah. The, uh, what's his name? The Linwood. The Linwood uh, stuff. In, in, in the, his final days on Twitter, I mean, he was just really, I mean, he was out there before, but he was really out there. Like when you're calling for, 
execution of uh, the vice president, you know, you've you've kind of you've kind of gotten off the reservation a little bit. He was claiming that the vice president was um, was involved in pedophilia. Was he? Jesus Christ. That's what Len Wood was saying in his in his final days online. Jesus. I, I mean, I just don't. Like the, the, the fact that we know who Linwood is, yeah. I think it's two factors. The one is that the media elevates voices like that, mm-hmm. that, that they claim come from the conservative movement because it makes the rest of us look bad. Now they got some help because the president was retweeting him and inviting him to the Oval Office and shit like that, which I think is ridiculous. And, and I'm, I'm actually sincerely pissed off about, but. That guy has no me. He's absolutely no business being in a conversation about politics or, or anything. I mean, that that's, that's bonkers shit. There is no difference between what he was doing and what you hear out of the Antifa left on a day-to-day basis while they're looting our businesses and, and, and destroying cities across America. And here's, here's another take. I mean, <laughs> Lynn Wood, the reason why he wasn't banned in December um, is the same reason Donald Trump would be reinstated if he started attacking Republicans in March. That's right. And that's because Lynn Woods on there making stuff really tough for us in Georgia. Yeah, he's in Georgia. Right? Yeah, that's, Georgia. that's why they needed him. Right. That's why they needed him. Twitter was fine with him being on the platform in December. Yeah, I mean, like, I, well, we I, got the election. It's the same way that the 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 like uh, mainstream journalists essentially had an embargo on anything having to do with Hunter Biden leading up to the election because they're like, hey guys, you know, we can't let this out. And then patted themselves on the back afterwards, you know, and then you hear, yes, there is actually a federal investigation going on. There were more stories in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution about Raphael Warnock's dogs than there were about his, his links to the more radical elements of the left, which by the way, are omnipresent. And if he was a Republican and they were off the right, that's the only thing anybody would ever talked about. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's the thing is I really do feel like the, the, the answer to all of this is uh, reinstate uh, people's faith in the mainstream media. They have to earn it by, you know, res- they have to earn the public's trust back. And the only way they can do that is just straight reporting. They have to bring integrity back to their profession you know, they cannot be these like par- absolutely partisan, you know. I don't know if uh, it's possible, Smug. I really don't. Like, I, I think we're at the point where the incentive structure for journalism and, and liberal coddling is the point where it, they can't come back from it. I mean, I'm, I'd love to be wrong about that. But I mean, if a New York Times story comes out tomorrow, are you just sort of signing up with that thing? Does that sound good? You know, like, no, mm-hmm. I don't know what period of time it would take for me to actually think that they're, I'm getting a straight, straight scoop from these guys. Well, I think it's going to become interesting going forward because uh, they're really going to have to relook at, you know, take another look at their business model because without Trump, I mean, the, you know, these journos are addicts. They can't go cold Turkey, you know, with, with Trump, like for them, Trump is like being high on meth for four years straight, you know, (laughs) and now they're going to have Biden, like, but that they're not going to get their fix. It's like a, a glass of warm milk after <laughs> you've been having four years of meth. That's not going to give them the fix that they need. No. And they're not going to be able to all get book deals by jumping up during a press conference and, and trying to shout and take the microphone back from like a, the intern. Uh, well, and the other, and the other thing 
smug to your point on the business model is, you know, now they all operate, you know, the large um, uh, media outlets like the New York Times, the Washington Post on a subscription model. And I don't know how you sustain a subscription model in the same way that they did over the last four years, right? Where, Mm -hmm. and Holmes, you've talked about this frequently on the podcast, but you know, like they cultivated an audience that just hated Donald Trump. And it's like, what are the scoops that they're going to be bringing to the table in a Biden administration that's going to like blow up anyone's skirt? No, I mean, they're going to get, they're going to either have an attrition if they're going to cover the news in a straight style and hold Biden accountable to the same standards that they held the the Trump administration, they're going to have a significant attrition of their subscriber base. I mean, it's a financial disincentive to cover the news. Yeah, that's true. That's the truth. Like Trump was their golden ticket. Like the amount of money he made for so many of these publications that are just like wall to wall, you know, Trump is bad all day long takes that was that was that was their click farm you know that's what they did to make money and now that's going to be gone well that's the thing that's the thing though there 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 isn't like a good solution to either one of these problems subscription or clicks right like both models mean you know you're incentivized traffic uh, to give stuff to people yeah right stuff that people want give it to me (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's not an information service you know, it's, 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 it's a it's a being lied to service to make you feel better about what you already believe. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a confirmation bias system. It That's is what it is. Well, to, look, just to put a fine point on that, I mean, I on this program and just sort of in general on Twitter or whatever, I was really critical of the effort to challenge electoral college. Right, I thought that that was a really bad move, and I said so. And you know, it's out of hundred percent of the things I say, I would say ninety eight percent are conservative. I disagree with my party on, on very few things. This is one of them that I disagreed with conservatives on. I got like a million phone calls from journalists. I mean, every reporter in the English speaking world wanted my thought on that. Mm-hmm. Now, is that just because that was particularly insightful or was it the one thing that was going to hurt Republicans if I spoke? So I that's just decided thing. not that's, answer the phone. That's, that's the thing. Is, I mean, it's so frustrating. And, and what they've done to, to the journalism industry I mean, that's why you have people going to these crazy sources. They're like, well. uh, It's also why we started Ruthless to try to figure out, like, let's present a conservative argument in a fun way that's that's hopefully funny, but also rooted in facts, right? It's a radical approach, folks. Right? Like, we're not going to lie to you. You can disagree with us. That's fine. You know, you can disagree with us all, but but we're not going to lie to you. We're not going to tell you like my favorite. And I know there's probably tons of people that listen to this pod that love like Mark Levin. This is the guy who I watched is, is a total like tea party Ted Cruz guy who hated Donald Trump, try to reel it back in and all of a sudden become the Mr. Donald Trump guy to try to now reel that back in and become something else. I mean, all he does is try to get in front of his audience, right? Wherever the conservative movement is, he just runs to the front of the parade and tries to pretend like he's leading the damn thing. Like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're going to tell you what it is that we think and you can enjoy it and you can have fun with us or you can't, or you can disagree with us and you can yell at us on Twitter and that's just as good, but that's just part of the fun we're going to have here. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing is, uh, you know, how much we actually welcome disagreement and discussion. And that is what's, 
you know, I think sets this podcast apart a lot from what you now see in, in at, from the mainstream media, where it's like dissent will not be allowed. Like there's no discussion. Ben Shapiro shouldn't be allowed to edit anything. Ben Shapiro is like, they're going to, I know how this goes. They're going to have an internal slack where they say he's alt right and incendiary. And, you know, they're worried that him editing a newsletter could incite more violence and attacks. Unbelievable. Like that's how wild it's gotten is they're like, no, there can be, there can be no opposing opinion. I think, you know what, it would be great. And if you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us on Twitter the ruthless, you know, ruthless podcast is the, is the handle. Um, tell us who we should have on who, who will disagree with us from the right, from the left. We don't care. Totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not scared to have any of these disagreements among friends. Like that's totally. part of the reason uh, we're doing this thing. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like, I'd be happy to, have, you know, we can have left wing people on here. I'd be happy to invite Ben Shapiro. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. So good. I think that's so that that's a nice one to uh put a bow on today's episode. That was a solid one. Let's do it. Yeah, that was great. Let's sign us out of here, Smug. No. Nope. Thanks again, folks, for listening. We appreciate all the continued support. And uh it, it's pretty clear a lot of you folks have been telling your friends to also tune in. We've been watching, you know, we've been appreciating the numbers going up on our listens and, and the support we're getting. Uh so thank you all so very much. And until next time, Minions, keep the faith hold the line and own the libs stay ruthless we'll see you on tuesday